Well, this week, as we continue our series on joy, we're going to look at joy as abundance. The idea of abundance, to me, reminds me of Thanksgiving. It reminds me of this very week that we're in, where on a, on a normal year and a typical experience, it's a lot of people gathered together. It's way too much food. It's laughter, it's football, it's all of that. And, and like everything else in 2020, it, it feels a little weird right now. And so the idea of talking about joy in 2020 feels weird. The idea of talking about abundance seems strange. And yet I know that joy comes in abundance. And so we're going to look at one of my favorite scenes in the Gospels. It's, it's this experience that Jesus and the disciples have known as the feeding of the 5,000. And as, as I read this to you, I, I want you to picture it in your mind. And let's do our best to really enter into this and recognize joy in the middle of it. So we're going to read it from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, starting in verse 2. John writes, A large crowd kept following Jesus because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up from the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? So right away, the question that I have is who is following Jesus? We know that it's a crowd that's following, but who is this crowd? Because kind of who they are and how, how we can summarize them really matters. Well, the people who are following Jesus because of these signs that he's doing with the sick, because people are being healed. Uh, so there's these 5,000 men plus women and children who are following Jesus who most likely are needing healing, right? They know that Jesus is healing the sick. And so then as the sick, they're following him around. Or they're just desperately needing the hope of, of the gospel of the kingdom of God coming near into their life. And so they're following Jesus as this, as this prophet, as this one who is doing miracles among them, this crowd who's desperate for the kingdom, for, for miracles and healing of sickness is following. And so as Jesus goes, there's a lot of sick people leaning on one another. We know in other parts of the gospel that people are being carried by people or, or leaning on folks and kind of supporting one another as they go. We also know from these verses that it's about to be the Passover. And the Passover was when the Israelites were in Egypt. And just before they left Egypt and went into the, the desert, there was this celebration that they, this this act of God that they celebrate throughout history where God passed them over with death and death did not hit the homes of the Israelites. And again, they find themselves under Roman occupation, wondering if God could again deliver them. It's a scene and a time where people are desperate for political freedoms. And in all four Gospels, we see this account, but in other places, we see that this comes after John the Baptist is killed. And so even for Jesus, there's some, there's some personal pain. There's some grieving going on. And I bring up all of this because the setting of this miracle is full of, of trauma. It's full of tragedy. It's full of pain. It's full of life and sickness. It's, 
it's not this pretty scene. It's a painful scene. And into this scene, Jesus asks this question. He says, Where, how are we going to feed everybody? There's 5,000 people. How are we going to feed them? This is a question like the question we would ask. I mean, these are the very things we're asking, right? We, we ask, how, how, how do we help people get jobs or, or health care? How are we going to help get people to their prescriptions or get groceries to them? How, how are we going to bring tangible hope in real ways into people's lives? How, how is this going to happen? When we're looking just at the challenges, we answer just like Philip. I mean, we, we see in... In verse 7, Philip answers, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of them to get just, just a little bit. See, when we're looking at the challenges, we're answering just like him. Six months' wages isn't enough. The brightest minds can't solve this. The, the best of plans don't resolve the world's problems. It's just not enough when we start to see scarcity. When we're staring at the problem, when we get exhausted. But then I think this moment of joy enters in. I think this, this perhaps, this bit of mystery and wonder enters in in verse 8. Let me, let me read the rest of this story for you, then we'll come back. One of Jesus' disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, There's a boy here. Who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? And Jesus said, make, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up. And from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people had saw the sign that he, he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who's come into the world. All right, let's go all the way to the beginning of that section. There's this little boy. Come forward, right? Did you wonder what that little boy was feeling? I mean, if he was just feeling inadequate, if he was just feeling embarrassed, he would have never gone forward. And sure, maybe there was a hint of like, I, I feel a little ridiculous for offering this, but there must have been also this idea of like, perhaps Jesus can do something with this. Perhaps there's something that can happen. Maybe, just maybe, that. The, this can be, this is all I've got, but maybe this is more than I realize. Maybe in Jesus' hands, this is enough. And the little boy hands it over. Now I started thinking about the numbers. It's, it's 5,000 men that are counted. Now we know that the, uh, many of these people are sick. There's women and children as, as well. And let, let's say that at least, let's say at least 15,000 people. Let, Scholars have, that, that's a pretty conservative number. There's a good chance there's more people than that. But let, let's say 15,000 people, and we're in 2020, right? They're not socially distancing. They're just sitting on a grassy hill. 15,000 people 
plenty of them sick, all of this, and this lunchbox comes forward. These five loaves and these two fish. I, I did a little, a little research for you. Now, the largest, heaviest loaf of bread ever baked was baked in 2008 in Brazil. It was 3,463 pounds. The largest fish that was ever caught was 1959. It was 2,664 pounds. And so in our, in our way of thinking, if this boy had brought five of the largest loaves ever that were made 2,000 years later, but if he had somehow managed to back up a moving truck with five different of these loaves and bring two of the world's largest fish that was ever caught, then each person there would get I mean, pretty close to a pound of bread, which is, I mean, that's, that's a lot of carb loading there, and about two ounces of fish. But we know that that's not what he had, right? He didn't have the largest loaves ever. He more likely had like a pack of sardines and a couple crackers, like a few real thin pieces of bread wrapped up that he could set in a in a satchel or in his his form of a pocket and bring with him as a snack or a meal later. He's bringing something really humble to Jesus, but he was bringing it with great wonder. And Jesus, well, he, he shared it with everyone. And imagine this. I mean, this is like 15,000 people. This takes a minute, right? And so people in the front are like getting some bites of this five loaves, this two fish, this one little boy's meal. And somehow it's enough. And the next person's eating and the next person, the next row and the next row and the people in the back, like the 13,000th person sees that like all these people are eating and not even quite sure how it's happening and not really hearing everything that's happening at the front. It reminds me of the wedding in Cana where Jesus goes and they're running out of wine. And so Jesus turns water into wine and the people are like this is the best wine of the whole party why did you save this to the end and i imagine that these these humble loaves they they smelled like they had just been baked i imagine they were the best of bread and somehow the best of fish and as it was multiplied as it was brought back through all the people everybody's eating and it says that they got to eat to their fill so like Thanksgiving, it was probably like seconds and thirds. These people are hungry. They've been traveling. They're sick. So seconds and thirds taken of this bread and this fish. I mean, could you imagine the joy that would happen? Could you imagine the, the relief that would come upon some of these mothers as their as their babies are eating? And as your belly fills and all of a sudden you feel some fatigue, your body tries to digest everything and you just start to rest and probably there's laughter and conversation, and joy. And look again at, at verse 11 here. Just before everybody eats, it says that Jesus, he took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to everyone who seated. Also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when I read that, I think of like the Eucharist. I think of 
communion, the Lord's Supper, when we get together and we, we break the loaf and we drink of the cup. It's this celebration. And there's enough. There's abundance. Everyone's cared for. Maybe this could be the posture. Next time we can get together in this way and celebrate the communion together, that, that there's just enough in feasting. I'm reminded of the times that we did it where we had like a brunch. And that was the Lord's Supper for that, that week. That's what I'm picturing in my mind, but one of 15,000 people all eating at the same time. You see the sick, the broken, the hungry, people who probably didn't have work and didn't have anywhere else to be, who were just hoping beyond hope that Jesus was who people said that he was. They were met and met with abundance through bread and a fish. And in the end, they gathered up every last leftover that there was because everything was precious and there was 12 baskets left. I think that's so significant because maybe just maybe each disciple then held a basket that showed them the miracle of what just happened. They got it cared for everybody. They got it met every single person who was there. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with joy? We've been spending all this time in joy, and then now all of a sudden we're talking about bread and fish, and maybe you're gluten-free or you don't like seafood or whatever it is. What does it have to do with joy? Honestly, I would say everything. It has everything to do with joy because the kingdom of God is abundant, and this joy that we've talked about is abundant. Remember, we've defined joy as living beloved knowing that God is with you and every single person who was on that hillside that day. Every single one of them would say, God is with us. That's a prophet. Look at how God's kingdom is moving. And every one of them in that moment when their belly was full could imagine that they were beloved. And maybe their illness wasn't cured, but God was with them. And that was enough. Think of that little boy. I wonder what happened as he grew older. Never forgetting that day where his loaves and fish were enough. Where they fed the multitudes. I think of you. I think of me. I think of the challenges that we're facing, even this week with Thanksgiving looking different. And as we're trying to be honest about our own emotions and our own place, and then still submit those to God and allow God's love to be enough. I think of us like that little boy. And what if, what if in joy we offered up our version of the loaves and the fish? Maybe that's, maybe that's your tithes. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe you call somebody in your family or within this church family Maybe you write them a note. Maybe it's your service or your praise, whatever it is. What if we offer that up in joy, not scared that the world's problems are too big, but imagining that God can do wonders with what we give. And we can experience the joy, the reality that even though what's in our hands feels so humble, we are beloved, God is with us. And so whatever we offer, that's more than enough. And so we offer it. Enjoy.
See, John 6, there's baskets full of joy left over. And God's love was big enough for everyone. And I believe that's true for you. And I believe that's true for me. And I believe the challenges that we're facing are real. And they're distinct. And, and they're not about to end like this. And I know that it's overwhelming. And it's okay to be honest about all of that. And at the same time, I want to invite you to, to take steps towards recognizing that even in the midst of scarcity of so much relational contact, uh, all of these things, that God's joy, God's presence is abundant. And this is an opportunity for us to be creative, to share that with one another, with our family, with our friends, creative in the ways that we share it. We can't be in contact with one another the same, offering hugs and all of that, but we we have the ability to physically mail or email or call or reach out or pray or support to be creative in the ways that we're caring for one another, that we're sharing this joy and watch the abundance of God move. So let, let's pray together that this week we can walk into Thanksgiving honestly, but that we can find space between now and Thursday to really be grateful for some things and recognizing God's joy and abundance in our life. Let's pray together. Creator of everything, we thank you that you chose to allow us to be part of your creation. Though it doesn't always feel true, we thank you that there's abundance in your kingdom. We thank you that we're beloved, that you're with us. And in these days, would you turn our eyes and our attention from the scarcity of this world to the abundance of your kingdom? Would you turn our eyes from, from some of the problems that we see, not that we're going to ignore them, but instead to, to some of the resources you've given us and, and give us the courage to offer those back to you? believing that, that you can do what you did with those loaves and fish. May we wonder at your provision, at your care, at your presence. May we see you in abundance. In your precious and powerful name.